Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name is Sarah Morgan. Hello. Um, welcome. Uh, if you're new to the show, the premise of this thing is that... Um, so I'm a comedy writer and I talk to my favourite funny people about what they are scared of. And I asked them to bring in three fears. A fear from film or TV, a fear from their childhood and a fear or phobia they live with now. And we chat about that in a judgment-free environment. My guest this week is comedy writer Jason Haisley. Uh, he works alongside his comedy writing partner, Joel Morris. Joel and Jason write for uh, Charlie Brooker a lot on things like Screenwipe and Filming the Kunk. And they are probably best known as the creators of the Ladybird books for grown-ups. Um, he's also uh, a host of the Rule of Three podcast. Um, the best podcasts about comedy there is out there at the moment and you can hear it right here on the great big owl network a fantastic network full of excellent and diverse hilarious programming sorry there's something in my teeth i think it's a that was a peep um this chat with jason is a lot of fun um we talk about our public information film from the 70s always a brilliant topic of conversation uh the young ones the closing credits of Campbellwick green locked in syndrome um plus we have quite an intense and genuinely i think quite important conversation about panic attacks um which don't, i think is always really really useful to talk about this stuff on the show i hope you find it useful too um let us know what you think um i always like to hear from you at the fear podcast the music you're listening to is by tim bazell please enjoy this conversation with jason Hazley. um we go straight into it we're, we, we come in halfway through a conversation we were having um, about the fear you feel as a comedy writer something about how you um, represent your characters and everything anyway you'll, you'll get the gist enjoy this chat with the very funny and very brilliant Jason Hazley enjoy here's a thing that happened recently Joel and I were writing a script, and there was a scene in which a female character needed, and I need to underline that word, needed to roll her eyes. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, I thought, we literally cannot do this. A male writer cannot write female character rolls her eyes. And I just, I spent about 35, 40 minutes just going through any other iteration I could do. How can I get this across? I cannot write female character rolls her eyes. It's just not on. Oh, that's it beautiful. is not on. That's gorgeous. I think it's fine as long it's fine to have a woman who's fun police as long as you've got other women who aren't fun police. She wasn't fun police in this one. She yeah. was genuinely, it was just a reaction to someone who was being a dick. Um, and I just thought, can't do it, can't do it. I still can't do it. I cannot, I cannot have on this, on this script the words she rolls her eyes. <laughs> what did you put? Um, I, I, got, I got her interrupted by something else. I just, I just <laughs> threw something in her path, basically, because I thought, can't do this. It looks so terrible. It looks like I've, I, the, all I'm thinking is that, that women basically are made of tuts. 
Yeah. You know, you know, and it's not, and it's not like that. I, uh, it's you know, some of my many jobbing jobs have involved me writing the lines for the lady that is the lady rolls her mm. eyes. I just find as long as I write a joke, I'm fine with it. A joke that yeah. that <clears throat> points she can be funny about the thing she's tutting about. I mean, yeah, it's not a hill I, mean, I would I... die on in any sense. No. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> Probably uh, worthwhile. I will stand by every shitty tutting <clears throat> joke I've ever written for money, like some kind of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> selling out my sisters. I would like to ask you about times when comedy has frightened you. And I don't mean when it's intentional. Comedy has frightened me. Yeah, when it's intentional. Oh, no, very, very good question. Unintentionally frightened you. No, uh, very good question, because I know I I can tell you straight away I can answer this. The first time I saw The Young Ones, when I think I would have been 11 years of age, it scared the shit out of me. Oh, I love that. It absolutely terrified me. I was so frightened. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Beautiful. And these people seem to me to be dangerous, mm. you know, which obviously they are. Yeah. And unhinged and potentially and very violent. And the whole, it really scared me. It took me a while to sort of get in sort of lockstep with it and go, no, 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 this is just, these are four grotesques, you know, that's all yeah. what, three grotesques well, you yeah, might, At that you know. age, you'd just be like, why have they been allowed to do this? Yeah. yeah. And I think it was, I think it was, which episode was it? My feeling is that there might have been a chainsaw in the episode somewhere. I'm not. Definitely, Vivian has a chainsaw. At yeah, one point. but it really scared me as a kid. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a terrifying program. The other thing that really... God, blimey, I haven't thought about this in years. There was the. Uh, I was a. I was a swap shop viewer, right? Not a Tiswas viewer. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And at some point, I decided I'd have a go at Tiswas because someone had said to me, "It's really good. It's really funny." Um, and I had a look at it, and there was a sketch in it in which. Uh, Lenny Henry, I think, was playing a dentist. And he said to the patient in the chair, OK, I'm going to have to uh, drill into your tooth now. And the patient said, oh, fine, fair enough. And Lenny Henry pulled out a pneumatic drill. <laughs> and I had, this was probably only a few years after, a dentist had um, had hit me um, while in the dentist's chair. What? For making a fo- Yeah, some, I, I think I was about eight or so no i must have been younger than that probably seven and i'd gone in for something and it was hurting and i made a fuss about it so he whacked me to shut me up um the fuck i know the 70s eh yeah. um so i think this lenny henry thing might have dialed up some innate fear Do i had think? of dentists I mean, you might, yeah it's yeah. possible uh, yeah things i so i i'm so happy how how quickly you responded to that because i yeah I found a lot of comedy really scary nice because i saw it too early there was a yeah it's a phil cool sketch that I can still see in my brain uh, that he was playing Paul Daniels and I was very little and I watched it with my mum because it was Phil Cool, the rubber-faced funny man. Mm. Um, and uh, he, he was an impression... Do you remember Phil Cool? Yeah, he's, very he's much. Yeah, I loved person. him. Okay. He, yeah, he was a rubber-faced funny man. He would do impressions of everyone and do funny faces and he was very family-friendly but he did a sketch where he was playing Paul Daniels and I can't remember what the build-up was but it ended up with him... Sort of, I think he was slightly. It was meant to be a sort of messiah thing, but I might be misremembering it. But he was. It was a great big build up of him going more and more crazed with power, and then he his head exploded. (laughs) 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 And the joke, I think, was that then the wig landed on the floor in a cloud of um, a a cloud of smoke, and it was yeah. But seeing a man's head explode on TV was so fucking upsetting. (laughs) 
<laughs> when I was a kid, I hated it, and I, I for some reason, my mum wanted to watch the repeat the next week, and I so oh. I knew it was coming. So that was really traumatizing. Yes, it's worse actually, isn't yeah. it? If you know it's coming, I knew it was coming. Yeah. So I, I love. Yeah. I, I mean, we all know, like spitting image. Some of that scared the shit. Out yeah, of me. that's Again, true. Being too young for it. Yeah. The um the book had a the um the spitting image book had a Prince Andrew. Uh, puppet centerfold. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a kind of like a like, like a, a se- porn centerfold. Yeah, like a sexy yeah. playgirl kind of. So it was Prince Andrew the puppet, but they'd replaced. They'd put a string of sausages for his penis, That's, and yes, I was too yes. young for that. Like I just, yeah. I saw it, and it. <laughs> just frightened me and i didn't know what i did vaguely knew who prince andrew was but yeah that was i mean it is horrible isn't it as an <laughs> image it's meant to be horrible i suppose yeah. but yeah but as, <laughs> as a young mind sees that you're in real trouble aren't you it can really burn holes in you oh boy yeah so much to do a podcast about it <laughs> it's not a bad idea yeah things that burnt holes in your retinas when you were a child <sighs> speaking of which. That was a lovely segue. Oh, well I might come done. back to some of this stuff, but um, well, let's talk about your three uh, things. Yes. So before we before we record, I, I ask my guests to think about um, three things: a, a, a scary moment from film or TV, a fear from their childhood, and a fear they live with now. And you said a couple of interesting things, but I would like to talk to you about your fear of what you described as the quicksand public information film. This is your favourite scary moment from film or TV. Yeah, right. Okay, so this okay, so this is this comes in two parts and they are connected. One is that uh, as a kid growing up in the seventies, for some reason you were very regularly subjected to public information films which were designed to scare you and were designed to scare kids. Um and they were there for a very good reason, which was don't put your fingers in a plug socket, <laughs> don't uh, uh, go and play in a grain silo, that kind of thing. Um, but there was one which I think, uh, I sort of got a chemical memory of it really, and I, I'm not sure I've seen it since I was a kid, but it was about quicksand and not going near quicksand. And what it depicted was a child dropped, as far as I remember, a child dropped her doll and the doll disappeared into the quicksand was drawn down into the quicksand quicksand by the way where's quicksand gone that why was that a 70s thing it's gone it sort of disappeared like red guinness and fidget spinners you know it's just gone (laughs) and um anymore it's all full up yeah so i don't know where quicksand has gone now children it's it's full of dead kids yeah dead 70s kids how you solve the problem and that was kind of that was deliberate okay that was meant to scare you yes you mentioned that this was about quicksand and you vaguely remembered it and then and then not to be too much like your therapist but about 30 seconds ago you said grain silo yes and actually what you're remembering is, an, is this advert, which we're going to watch together now. Uh, we'll drop the audio in. Okay. Um. A grain pit looks like a sand pit to a child. Uh, it looks like somewhere nice to play. That's why I thought it was But sand. it's not. It's like quicksand. Or it's uh, a way to drown without water. You okay? It will suck a child down before you can save it. So keep Fuck the children away. Hell. And put a grid on it. That's not nice. Put a grid on it. Put a grid on put it. Put a grid on it. So what you Whoa. were remembering, which I love, I love that your brain has done that, you've, you've remembered an advert for quicksand, not really a thing, 
and it's, a public information is that film. why quicksand's no longer a thing because it was never a thing it was never, <laughs> you know quicks, quicksand now no longer a thing and, and a public information film for putting a grid on your grain silo it's a very specific very audience specific it's intended audience. isn't it so the advert is for you could have said you, farmers you I could don't have know. literally visited every farmer yeah. for less than it would have cost you to yeah. make and broadcast that horrifying tiny little film yeah also why have they put the sound of a child crying over a doll yeah that's just that's so the, the doll goes into the grain silo <sighs> and um is sucked into the machinery head than, first a child might want to play in your grain silo <laughs> head <laughs> first so the feet are the last thing that disappear yeah it'd be worse if you were around though think about it oh god yeah. <laughs> sorry oh man <laughs> that really is worse isn't it <laughs> Holy if you shit. have to die in a grain that's another public information. If you have to die in a grain silo, head Try first. Try to go head first. <laughs> oh. Isn't that doll is all mangled up in a grain? I mean, what does that do to the grain? It's um, well, yeah. Interesting that uh, because I I grew up in a in a uh, on the edge of a town, um, I never really had much to do with the countryside. So I mm. think I probably didn't know what grain was. To be yeah. honest with you, I don't think I was do, a young really. child. I something... wouldn't know what grain was. It's like that fry and lorry line, but I've never seen a meadow. You know <laughs> <laughs> that thing. Is it gluten? Is that grain? <laughs> is it gluten? I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. Grain. What is it? It's is it? It's something. It's it's ba- it's bread before bread is born, right. isn't it? Something like that. It's I un- think. Un- I'm guessing. Cr- crushed bread. Not yeah. many people hate London <laughs> media release. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you uh, saying? No, no, I won't bother with that gluten. Yeah, someone's um, filling grain silos, but they put grids on it now. Well, that, I'm pleased to know advert. that grids are on grain silos. That's oh, a great outcome there. Should we look but, it up? I but, don't know. The other thing you could have done for very little money is change the law, saying you've got to have a grid on your <laughs> yeah, grain silo. That might have been easier. Than and then no ever. one has to watch this horrifying film. Yeah. I love the public information films. It's always made you feel really guilty about something that you were never going to do in the first place, like throwing a frisbee at a electricity pylon yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I had not considered or running through your house in bare feet uh, with a polishing a floor polishing and then putting a rug you on it. You might as well set a man trap. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Have you seen the film The Finishing Line? No. <sighs> um, <laughs> uh, this is a film that was designed to be shown in schools. Right. So it's <gasps> even worse than a public information okay. film because it's about 20 minutes long. Oh, God. And it was about not playing on the railway. Mm. And it was done by pretending that there was a game show in which kids had to do dangerous things on the railway and at the end of every round, loads of them were stretched off, bleeding or dead. Okay, I need to see this it so is, much. It is now commercially available, of all things. Um, <laughs> but I saw it as a, as a kid and I honestly thought it was a nightmare I'd had for many, many, for decades. I thought I must have dreamt that. Mm. And then it turned up on a British transport film's collection somewhere on dvd and there it was this thing which was apparently shown once on tv and very swiftly withdrawn because it was so traumatic and it still is because mm. you are watching dead children being pulled out of tunnels on stretchers wow it just it's phenomenal like it was that was the example of the one where they just went so far mm. That everybody went, we don't want anyone to look at this, actually. It's just too much. Because it's like a fucking... It's like a... If the Children's Film Foundation made a snuff movie, that's what it's like. I have a a sense memory of a a lot of the 90s being nostalgia for public... I've now got nostalgia Mm. for nostalgia. But the public information films of the 70s and 80s, in the 90s, we couldn't get enough of that. Yeah, that was really in the air. Charlie Says by the Prodigy. Yeah. And I assume it's because we were all on 
drugs and discussing our childhoods. Yeah, but also in the clubs. we were. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we were. We were kids. We were the other side of the danger as well. Yeah. So we could look back on it and go, "Cool, yeah." Eh? What about that? Uh, what about the Green Cross Coatman? What about Duncan Preston in the fucking "Don't Go with Strangers" advert? Is that Duncan Preston? Duncan Preston. Now, how oh. have we not? How have? How have we, as adults, as people who grew up in the seventies and eighties? How have we managed to stick with Duncan Preston when he was that weird man in the blue Cortina who was going to offer you sweets because he wanted to take you home and kill you? Remember, kids, always say no to strangers. You know, that, I mean, that's, it's remarkable that we were okay with Duncan Preston, but for that we have to thank Victoria Wood. Victoria Wood. St. Victoria Wood. Our hero. Our hero. And so, so badly missed. Oh. Great Big Owl. What? Great Big Owl. Stop saying that. What about Great Big Owl? It's a family of podcasts. Ooh. Who's in this family? Well, there's Rule of Three, that's us. <laughs> there's Brian and Roger. Hi, Roger. It's Brian. There's the The One Show Show. There's oh, nowhere else nice. you would find a, a four or five minute film about Pine Martins. Yes. Without a sight of one Pine Martin at all in the film. There's Barry and Angelos. Oh, uh, gooch, gooch, chooch. Yeah. Remember that lovely one. And there's Smirch Pod. Could you eat first? I think we know. <sighs> well, I know. I don't know if I'd want to eat Lazenby. Basically, look for Great Big Owl on your pod, what's it? Good idea. Have we got a sting? Owls don't sting. Great Big Owl. 
an identical match cut back from the character on film to the character standing on top of this musical box and then the music started again as well as a whirring clockwork sound which is not nice and the character sank into this box and it was sort of hexagonal the six triangles on top of the box closed over the character and did the same thing that the grain silo was doing to the doll basically buried them alive i'm not not making eye contact because i'm frightened although i am because it's fucking horrible i'm no i'm just sort of assuming you're answering an email Um, (laughs) and i think it's the same thing right it's them it's a character being interestingly it's a doll as well isn't it in both cases being buried alive this is the um, the opening's lovely oh this is the opening i think yes yeah i wonder how we Yes, the opening's lovely. It's a beautiful. Yes, it's a clown uh, running the credits for yeah, you. Yeah, running a roller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Trumpton ends oh, with what, what is under. obviously a very, very straightforward um, uh, contract, really, between viewer and uh, <laughs> uh, and program maker, which is what do biscuit factory workers do at the end of every day? And the answer is they dance around a Dutch organ. What? Right? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it was quite far out. And Gordon Murray was an enormously straightforward and conservative bloke, but I don't know where he got that one from. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't, but I I can't think find it, but if, I'm, if, any, if, I, if I know me, this, the, we will be hearing the ha- haunting music of Cameron Green under, under this conversation. Well, the music's very good. It's, it's really good music. Good. It's but lovely. it's chilling. In a- but yes, just seeing a character being consumed by a machine mm. was somewhere primarily difficult. Of time. I didn't like it. It's, it's still, it still slightly makes me worry. Yeah, I mean, it's very, um, yeah, it's it's a, a reminder of your immortality, if nothing else. The clicking, ticking of the clock, the character being packed away doesn't yeah. exist unless you're looking at him. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I mean, that's actually a that's a really fuck. We could do another twenty five minutes <laughs> on the psychology of not being noticed, couldn't we? You know. <laughs> Well, on, on when Bagpuss goes to sleep, everyone else goes to sleep. That's, a, that's not a message to teach children. No, Nothing exists I know. unless you're awake, children. They'll die unless you think about them. <laughs> 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 that and the fact that I always thought Windy Miller was going to get murdered by his own windmill. He was because the, the blade went in front of the door. He was a great stunt man, wasn't he, Windy Miller? Sensational. Oh, that was. Uh, was that? Did that actually happen, or was that a? Clip no, that no. He, he really does. Yes, yes. He drinks cider. cider, and he gets very. Because I know that that's. A, I know that's a nineties nostalgia memory, not something I ever actually saw. I didn't ever see him get drunk. No, that's but real. I did remember being really worried that he had to like run through the blades of the windmill to get into his own and house. Actually, do you know what? Weirdly, I. Uh, when I, whenever I get bored, I sort of piss about on Photoshop and things. And a few years ago, um, I went round a graveyard, my local graveyard, um, and took some photos of the backs of graves, i.e. the bits with no writing mm. on them. And mm. then I put, and I made Windy Miller's grave. Um, I got, it was Lionel, inverted commas, Windy Miller, and his <laughs> wife something or other, and their dates, and just just put him put him on a grave, because I thought it was... Joel and I have a running gag about killing children, children's television characters, which it's never occurred to me before now is exactly what I was frightened of in Cambridge Green. Yeah. Her. You've okay. owned their deaths now. Oh, boy. You've made, you've, you've, um, this, is now, this is now turning into therapy. Yep. And it's I've, I've got I've got therapy tomorrow morning, so, <laughs> so I'll sorry. have lots to bring. I, I, I've never done therapy. I just do this show. Have you not? <laughs> I try and break other people. It's what I imagine therapy is like. <laughs> I sort of get someone started on something that seems quite innocent, and then I go, and that's how you feel about death. <laughs> is that curious though? Because Joel and I have written we've written things where um, we wrote a sketch for John Holmes about how the food program on Radio Four showed you how to. Um, 
how to fill it and cook a clanger. <laughs> and we wrote a thing about someone and a couple at dinner and uh, saying, what is this? It's lovely. And the guy going, it's, um, it's E.T., Nick. There's plenty of it, you know, uh, stuff like that. We've done this again and again and again. We've killed children's television characters. And that, is that coincidence or yeah. is that? I don't know. I don't know. Hard it's an area say. that we found funny for some reason. I mean, it is funny. And it, but it does, uh, there is a controlling of that, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm not dissing therapy, by the way. I no, just, no, no. I'm just horribly, uh, cartoonishly working class. Not at all, I was raised to believe you bite on a shoe. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, in, like in Coronation Street, you've got problems. Do you know what's... Go out do, on the street you know and bite what, on a shoe until it's over. <laughs> what, what really is... I mean, there are many good yeah. things to say about therapy, mm. but, the, but the, the interesting one, the one which is really absolutely the fucking Brucey bonus is when you bump into something which you have never thought of before and it's been mm. sitting in your head for decades and that's just what happened mm. just now. I'm, I had never I'm thought really of that. I'm really happy that you had a breakthrough. Incredible. Uh, I mean, it was about Windy Miller, but yeah. I know. It was a, oops, My yeah. Windy who Miller knows, breakthrough. Who knows what synapses that's unlocked. No, quiet. My childhood fear <laughs> was... I, 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 was talking, I was talking to my partner about doing this podcast this morning. Uh, and my kids, um, because I was struggling to think of an adult fear. And and I said, well, I've got to think of a, yeah. uh, one from TV, one from childhood, one from okay. now. And I mentioned my childhood fear, and my partner, who I've been with since for 20-something years, said, you've never told me that. Wow. Which, so, uh, no reason I should have, of course, but it is interesting that this had never come. Yeah. But my childhood fear <laughs> was plumbing, Right. Any wow. any pipe work exposed, mm. like especially if you know when you go into the basement of a of a building yeah. and the pipes are running above your head, mm. that was that is particularly scary for me as a kid. Pipes above me were for some reason scary. I have absolutely no idea why. I think it might have been related to having to having to needing the loo on holiday in Tynmouth in Devon when I was a kid and going into. Uh, a public loo there which was underground and so you walked down some steps and above your head were those are they called lenscrete those pavement uh pavement stones which are actually made of glass held in in oh. steel do you know the things in lattices i think yes, they're called lenscrete yes, yeah, yeah um and uh, uh and going in there so the, so there's light in the in the loos but obviously i'm just surrounded by hissing and pipes and things yeah. and it might be related to that i'm not really sure but i was but that's what you uh, see but when absolutely you terrified it. and weirdly it still gets to me mm. like when I, if, if i was if i was a kid and like my dad took the top off the cistern it was a bit like he just opened a sarcophagus yeah. or something to water hell you know it was re- it was very scary and it's occasionally now and then now even now um if i'm walking through the basement of a building and there's like air conditioning pipes or something running above my head mm. i will slightly want to get the fuck out of there a bit quicker than usual That's i've got really no idea what that's about at all yeah so do you remember confronting this did you did you ever try and go over it by like haven't touching one or hanging around it see if you can no. do a therapy I know I probably should have actually because like for a while I had a, a it, not as a kid but as a sort of young adult I developed a bit of a fear of spiders and when in my 
late 20s, I think, in about 97. When I first went on Prozac, one of the weirdest side effects was that my fear of spiders completely disappeared. It just went as if it had never been there. And I was was able to do things like pick up field spiders and pretend to put them in my mouth and stuff like that, which I used to do as a trick, you know, to go, and then open my hand and there's a massive spider there, which would freak people out, Mm. which probably, given that a lot of people have, afraid of spiders was a yeah. really thoroughly tasteless and <laughs> idiotic thing to do um but yeah spiders that fear went i pro- i probably should have at some point addressed this fear of plumbing it's Whoa. very strange yeah that's um i mean the, the, i've got the, no explanation going on prozac for it. D- 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 just wiping out one fear that's yeah that's quite a yeah, well, it's, I mean, those 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 drugs are very good at wiping out all sorts of... Uh, yeah. uh, what, uh, what are they called? There's a phrase Selective. from it. Something like forme frustre, broken bits in French, I think it is, of um, depression, which arrive in other places as tiny little fragments oh. of uh, a depressive mindset, which can be things yeah. like fears. And it's very good yeah. at mopping those up. Gosh, so you can really get little ones of those. I mean, I'm... I- I'm very happy to get deeper on this if you if you're okay with it. I'm mm. I'm, I'm uh, the the idea that depression and fear are are similar. I think that they actually feel very different to me. But then I everyone's brain is wired differently. Yeah, because I think one is a, a anxiety and the other one is an absence and a feeling. But that's. Yeah, true, but I suppose, but but anxiety obviously often goes hand in hand with depression. Mm. Um, So, I mean, we clearly one of the one of the things about all those um, all those neurological things is that they're very very slightly understood, and there's a lot of guesswork going on, and you're basically banging the top of the TV and hoping it'll get better. (laughs) Um, But uh, but yeah, you know, anxiety comes along with depression a lot and i guess anxiety is also a cousin of fear so you've got those things together you, you you'll know if you've ever had a panic attack that um it's it's absolutely it's fundamentally terrifying mm. really fundamentally it's, terrifying we do, I, I loved talking about panic attacks they come up a lot on the show yeah <laughs> funnily enough it's interesting though isn't it well, uh, i yeah. i had my i had my first one and i thought i was dying i was absolutely yeah. convinced i was dying and i got on the phone to my other half and insisted she stay on the phone in the taxi all the way over to my flat because i just wanted there to be someone there when i died mm. and the second time I had one, which was about sort of 11 years later, um, I just went, oh, it's a panic attack. Okay. Yeah. I felt it coming weirdly mm. um, and then thought, right, okay, I'm just going to go and sit somewhere nice and quiet here. I'm going to be fine. And, of course, I wasn't fine. Mm. It was – I knew what it was. Yeah. But it was still – it's an absolute fucking neural hijacking of yeah. the – and you're adrenalized to within – semi quavers of your mm. fucking life and and it's and it's still very very frightening because your body is going i'm just in fright mode i'm in complete full-on fright mode and mm. even though i was sitting there going but i know this is a panic attack i know this will be over mm. in between an hour and an hour and a half it's still an absolute hijacking i actually said i got uh, i got my other half to film me as i was breathing in and out of a brown paper bag i said because i just i want to see what this looks like because oh my God. because i know i'm experiencing it and i know i can't do anything about it except let it come through and then pass yeah i just want to see what it looks like and it is it's pretty fucking ugly i mean i'm pretty fucking ugly anyway but me <laughs> having a panic it. attack is really pretty fucking ugly <laughs> oh my god i can't i've the instinct to film yourself is it's just curiosity I, mean, I, I occasionally think god i wish i'd filmed giving birth but I, I know I'd never watch it again. But I kind of wish no, I always had the option of watching it. 
but filming myself having a well, panic attack. Well, I watched I that. that I watched be, it um, once, I think. It's not something I've kept or geez. gone back to. But I just wanted to know, what does this look like yeah. from the outside? Because from the inside, it's so terrifying. Mm. And on the outside, you do look like a person who is falling to bits, which you are. Fucking hell. But it's strange because it's like you, you're going, there's no reason for this. I'm not under threat. No one's pointing a gun at no. me. Uh, uh, I haven't been given a, a terrible fucking diagnosis. I'm just having a panic attack. Mm. I'm just being hijacked by adrenaline reason, yeah. for some reason. Yeah, it's. I, I, I'm going to make a reference to the film Pulp Fiction. Have you seen the film Pulp Fiction? Yes, I've seen the film Pulp Fiction. That bit, it, when she gets stabbed through the heart with an adrenaline needle, yeah. that's, oh. that's sort of my panic attack. Yeah, you know. Oh, I've just been stabbed through the heart with adrenaline needle. I'll that's, just, that's I'll just what, bounce off the walls for a bit. Pretty much what it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's disgusting and weird, and uh, I I feel weird trivialising them, but at the same time, I feel the more you talk about them as if they were a weird dream you had or a bout of cystitis or yeah. uh, something that was an eggy cold that you had for a few days. There's something when they get quite clinical about it like medical about it it sort of takes its power away a little bit it's a bit like watching the oh god I keep making pop culture references but <laughs> just go on, to see go I mean, on. you know that bit in The Exorcist where you see the one frame of the scary face yep. and it's horrifying yeah I feel like if you pause it and just stare at the scary face for a bit and it's r- ridiculous it's like the least scary thing you've ever seen yeah. it's just but one frame not knowing what's not ha- something not having a name yeah. something not having a feeling but yeah but also it, I, I feel bad trivialising panic attacks but i that's my coping me- mechanism mm. it's the is the, to trivialize them you've had panic attacks have you i've millions of yes i'm a bad yes yes I'm, yeah. I'm a chronic panic attacker um i'm a yeah very prone to them um they're uh, really probably, frightening aren't they they're, they're absolutely terrifying and i think it's exactly what you said the first time you have when you think you're going to die and then i think the i think i came up with a strategy which is get out of my own way. Um, I've talked about this on the show before, but I'm going to t- repeat my... Yeah, which is was sort of essentially what your body wants is oxygen. Yes. And what you're doing by panicking is not... Yeah. The breathing yeah. into the yeah. paper bag and stuff like that. So I think this, when you know you're not going to die, but you feel like you're going to die, it's like, well, I'm going to... What if I just passed out? Well, what would happen is if I passed out, my diaphragm would go back to normal, my breathing would go back to normal, my body would take on oxygen, yeah. and that would be probably the, be- the best thing for me in this circumstance. And as soon as I realised that, that it, unless I hit my head on the corner of a kitchen counter and bled all over the floor, actually probably the best thing to do would be just pass out. And once I've realised that, I've not ever passed out having a panic attack. I've just done exactly that. I've just done that, that thing where you... Uh, just yeah just go well I'll just be a fucking mess for a, a, yeah. a, a short period of time yeah. I'll just go in a corner and try not to let any of it get on anyone else that's always my my yeah. uh, my depression coping strategy or anxiety coping strategy is just just try not to take anyone else down with me don't go to work when you've got food poisoning don't take uh, yeah, your yeah. which is actually probably quite unhealthy because it means you don't talk to people about it but also I feel a bit like uh my way of dealing with stuff is to be like a dog that's giving birth and get under a house. <laughs> get somewhere quiet and dark under a house. Just get through it and then come out the other side and talk to people about it. <laughs> Don't get any of it on anyone. Because my second one was at home yeah. on a Saturday mm. lunchtime, um, I had to say to my other half, I think I'm going to have a panic attack. I'm just going to go upstairs. And then she came up to see me and found me in the full throes of it. And I was my main consideration was just keep the kids out, keep the kids out. I yeah. don't want them to see this, you know, because mm. I'm sure this isn't nice. I think which might have been part of the motivation for saying, can you film this for a minute? Because I just want to see what this looks like in case it oh, is scary. Okay, in case your kids you know, it. but it yeah. was, yeah, 
It's uh, they, but you wouldn't, and they're so... and also you're very tired afterwards, aren't yeah, you? They really take it out of you've you. You've done a d- d- ten mile run, or, you're, or yeah. you've run away from a bison, or whatever fucking yeah. saber tooth tiger, or whatever it is your body thinks has gone on, and there it is alerting you to stuff. So you shouldn't be dismissive of it. They are alerting you to something, but yeah, I wonder I, whether yeah. Do the, do you, is that what you find? You find that they are alerting you to things because my I don't my know. first one may I could possibly pin something on it, a couple of things on it. In fact, but the second one was absolutely out of the blue, from nowhere mm. whatsoever, and was very very strange. I think, like, to go back to my amazing cystitis analogy, <laughs> I feel <laughs> like uh, yeah, there's things you can do that are triggers, like you know, yeah. try not to get bacteria in your urethra, which is just good advice. Generally, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I edit this. Um, <laughs> don't be tired. Don't drink too much. No. Don't get. Don't take on too more work than you can handle, and don't get bacteria in your urethra. All the sound yep. advice for cystitis is also the same sound advice. I, for- I wonder whether it was just bacteria in my urethra. <laughs> <laughs> you might just have cystitis. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. I mean, if you put your body into a state where it needs to shut down it will probably try and shut down by itself and the same way that you get a cold when you yeah. probably need a couple of days in bed yeah uh that's kind of what i think they're doing a bit but they might also just be a bit of brain rewiring there might be a, like we as you say we don't know no we don't know what they are i think the important thing is that we all know they happen and i think most people i know most creative people i know get them and the important thing is that we all look each other in the eye and go, oh, had a rough one last week. Did you, Steve? Nice. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe have a Coke instead of a, a pint tonight. Or yeah. Whatever. You know, it's... And it's, it's, it's worth oxygen. I don't know all my friends are called Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so many Steves. Yeah. Um, it's, it's worth oxygenating all this stuff as well. Mm. It's constantly worth talking about mental oh, health. Oh, back because, to oxygen, yeah. I know, because, like, you know, for my, my kids now, uh, this it's, it's not even... I was talking to a friend last week who has a daughter who is, I think she's 15, something like that. And her daughter... Uh, brought her girlfriend home from school and said, Mum, Dad, this is my girlfriend. And so, um, my friend said, uh, great, cool. And then said to her daughter at some point, um, so, uh, do, you think you're, do you think you're gay then? Mm. Um, or do you think you're bisexual? What do you reckon? Mm. And her daughter said to her, Mum, we don't have to put a fucking label on it. <laughs> and she went, wow, I was trying to be cool with her. Yeah. And she is already one step ahead of me, at least, of going, well, I'm not going to put a label on it. Fuck it, whatever. Yeah, uh, go, That's great. So whereas my, yeah. you know, my kids will happily talk about mental health because I talk about it to them as well. Yeah. It and that's a, where yeah. we need to be. Uh, Dad, it's pansexual now, actually, because <laughs> gender's not binary. Uh I got told off. I got told. I got told off by a twenty-year-old for for saying bisexual when I went pansexual. Um, oh, really? And I loved it because I was just like, oh, I love that. I spent years of my life being embarrassed about the term bisexual and sort of being apologetic about it and being, oh God, I'm so, sorry, sorry, I'm showing off. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, and then and then being roundly told off. No, you're not actually. You're pansexual because gender's not a binary. It's, oh God. Okay, thanks. Exactly. Thanks, but isn't that isn't you. that brilliant? Brilliant. They're fucking. They're marching on ahead of us going down now we've got this we're leaving you behind you just have to keep up with us so yeah. it's up to us to go yep absolutely I'm going to keep, keep up with up, you just yes. keep open that's the um, yep. it's, um, Armistead Morpin's line and it's fucking beautiful that's a good line isn't it it's great well isn't it? done Armistead well done Armistead Morpin. oh god we've been banging on phrases and um, I've, I, 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 I thank you for that took 
when we went from Cambrook Green to panic attacks that but I'm really genuinely honored that you talked about that with me. well please <laughs> no. and please edit out me weighing on as no, well no no I will um, no this is brilliant no, I'm do really, you know what? genuinely I, honored I thought I had a long think about what is it I'm frightened of now mm. and I couldn't really I didn't really get anywhere with the thought so I just went back to thinking about plumbing and thinking about uh characters being buried alive mm. um and I realised, I think that might be what I'm scared of now, but a sort of reasonable version of being buried alive. When I was a kid, right, I was really ill. I was really so seriously ill that at one point, at about three in the morning, this is when I was about nine, ten months old, uh, a doctor said to my parents in hospital, where I'd been kept for some months, um, have you had this child baptised? Um, and they said no, and the doctor said, right, well, the chapel's open now, go and do it because the doctor was convinced that I wasn't going to make the next morning. Oh, um, and I had asthma very badly, so much so that I had some kind of heart thing which has never been worked out when I was about 10 months old, I think. Um, and uh, so I couldn't breathe. So the whole the notion of, of the doll going into what I now know is a grain silo, suffocation i think may play into that thing and also yeah. the the doll being buried yeah. alive by the machine is a similar version of that <sighs> and i sort of think game. so maybe yeah. so maybe there's a suffocation thing in there because when you can't when you can't breathe you are obviously you then you are yes. in panic mode as well because well, yes, you can't breathe yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it and when i was a kid the 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 uh, ventolin which is now just a brilliant kind mm. of portable drug wasn't available and the only way you could get relief from it was by to have um, to have a suppository. So while you couldn't breathe, someone had to roll you over onto your side, slam your knees up into your chest and shove their thumb up your ass. Holy fuck. Um, and uh, with a drug called aminophylline. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it's quite... In, it's amazing how you remember that name perfectly. In comedy I mean, terms. It be... It's strange, that, isn't it? You, you, you wouldn't think that you would be able to remember the name of the yeah. thing you had repeatedly yeah. shoved up your ass as a child, but there Jesus. you go. Jesus. Um, it just rattled out of you. Like, yeah, that yeah, was I know, it's great, isn't it? Um, it's because it, it always felt like, it, it sounded, because it was said so often to me, it sounded like a department store name. <laughs> it was always Aminophilin Suppository, Aminophilin Suppository. Um, and it just became, <laughs> it's a bit like hearing, you know, Derry and Tom's or Marks and Spencer. Um, so, <laughs> or even Morecambe and Wise. Aminophilin Suppository. Um <laughs> So it's like uh, so a Stephen Fry, it's sort of uh, very lyrical. Yeah. <laughs> Fry and Laurie sketch name. Anyway, sorry. So I think, I think mm. my fear probably is being is sort of being in one way or another trapped while still alive. Oh, and the version, and the reason, the, uh, the, re- the version of this I realise is, I mean, I've been, I've been trapped in a lift before, and that was actually quite funny. Um, I was there for about an hour and a half before on the fire own. brigade. Yeah, I was on my own, and the fire brigade came and. Um, I'd already forced the inner doors open so I could tell them which bits I could see triggered which other bits so they could get some things open. And Ooh. we worked together as a team, man. Oh, I got out man. of that lift in Southfields. Um, but, like, but I think it's about being, it's being trapped but actually with no, with no means of escape, like the doll in the grain silo. And I, so I suspect my biggest fear genuinely is having a stroke because I watched my dad's best friend a few years ago had a stroke and it absolutely locked him inside himself. He had no means of communicating apart from slightly being able to bang one of his hands. Otherwise, the rest of him was completely immobile. And he was obviously, he knew who people were. People would go and visit him. It would make him cry. But it would make him cry, I'm guessing, 
because he had no means of communicating with them whatsoever, none mm. at all. So I would guess that's probably my fear, is being trapped. And, and to be fair, I, ve- I very often say, I mentioned this at the front when I was saying I'm going to save the Mozart for when I'm ill. Mm. That's not what I tell people. I say, well, when I've had a stroke, I'm going to get in touch with all the Mozart. And I keep joking about it, I think because wow. I'm genuinely scared about it. So I roll it out there as a punchline and go, well, I'll tell you what, when I... I might learn to play the. Uh, I might learn to. Uh, might learn to play cards when I've had a stroke or whatever, that kind of thing. You know, even though, if the stroke was bad enough, I wouldn't be doing a fucking thing. I wouldn't even be able to ask for the Mozart. I just have to be. I just have to. It, it could be anything they forced on me. They might make me watch Friends. <laughs> <laughs> so your fear is. Um, so my fear is being trapped in yeah, me, locked. which I, I have to tell you is a terrible place to be trapped. <laughs> locked in syndrome. Yeah. Uh, Oh God! Because that is je- that's mortally. Yeah, I'm not not saying it? anything because I have nothing to say. It's just there's a kind of bottleneck of feelings <laughs> like yeah. stuck in my neck right now. No, I know. Words. I'm sorry I couldn't bring you a lightweight one. Like, no, I was working with. I'm, uh, I was working with. I've worked with two people yeah. in the last couple of years. One of whom um, sat down in this big meeting and said, "Could you? Sorry, could you just move that fruit bowl away, please?" Because she had a fear of bananas. Mm. Right? She was really scared of bananas. Mm. And the other one was I was I was doing a room on uh, uh, on a, on a, write, a writing room, and there was a, a writer there who there was a fruit bowl again. Mm. Um, someone had a, a little clementine or an orange or something. Mm. And what what are the easy peelers, you know? Um, <laughs> and then and then put the peel down on the table, and she rocketed back on her chair across the room um, until someone else came in. Mm put a napkin over it, picked it up and took it away and then she mm. was able to come back to the table because she was frightened of um, orange peel. Not oranges, but mm. the peel mm. freaked her out. And I sort of think, I wish I could bring you something novel and interesting like that, which was a fear which you probably can, you can probably have a bit of, you can dig into a bit and go, I wonder where that's from. But actually, having a fear of having a stroke is really, yeah. <laughs> it's page one, isn't it? Because it's, it's, being, it's being dead but alive. I, I'm sure someone who is a, much more able to handle unpacking the machinery of your brain and not <laughs> putting it back together would have a field day with the phrase I'm terrified of being trapped <laughs> with myself but <laughs> I'm not maybe I'm just frightened I, of the life I'm living yeah um, the, you are trapped in yourself you, you terrible are, human is, but it is that thing is that wherever you go there you are uh, is a completely reasonable human uh, fear but uh, have you had anybody on who's got fear of uh, touching their eyes? Yes, weirdly, I, I taped one. Uh, it's not been out yet, but Jordan Morris had a big eyeball thing on oh, his really? episode. Yeah. yeah, eyeball touching is a weird one. But you've got contact. You wear contact. No, no, and you I had, had laser, laser surgery. Laser yeah, and that was that was the that's the most uncomfortable thing that has ever happened to me. I mean, actually, more uncomfortable than the fucking Aminophilin suppositories. Yeah. It was more uncomfortable than that because. Um, I mean, I could I could do the whole thing in great detail, but it's not very nice to hear about. But su- uh, suffice to say that one of the least so troubling... So many trigger warnings on this episode. I know. One of the <laughs> least... Attacks, eyeball to eyeball well, <laughs> trauma. One of the least <laughs> troubling moments of the sort of... It takes about 15 minutes per eye is the bit where you can smell your eyeball ah, burning. Ah, fuck off. <laughs> I, shit, I just reeled across I the room. Shit, I shit in. you not. That is one of the least troubling bits of it. 
but glasses look so good. They do, I know. And the thing is, I had I had my I short-sightedness yeah. corrected mm. by laser eye surgery. And sure enough, I then turned 45. And the long-sightedness that can't be corrected kicks in. So I now have to wear glasses to read things, whereas before I had to wear glasses for everything. So it's a slight win. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm just all like, I'm just smelling. I'm smelling what I'm smelling. Um, <laughs> fuck me. I know. Am I smelling my own fear? Hi guys, it's Angelos Epithemia here, telling you to please listen to the Brian and Roger podcast. Now, I don't know who's written it, but whoever it is, is probably a genius. So I think you should give it a listen, because it's such great stuff. <laughs> 